actually will be interviewing as a team. You are the best movers on the planet. So, bro, what kind of muscles you have? No. Bro, what kind of patterns you have? We're here to fuck shit up. So we were just talking there just on, on how much I've been enjoying your stuff lately on social media. And it, it doesn't seem like it was by accident either. Um, you know, cause I was just, I was just talking shit there, you know, that some people just post random things like, oh, uh, you know, here's me shirtless doing ABC or XYZ stretch or exercise. Whereas honestly, your videos are really thought out. They're informative. I know I've seen you posting on your stories, um, like you editing videos. So you're, you're doing this in a third, you know, you're not, you're not taking a shit in editing a reel for 30 seconds and posting it. You know, there's, there's a lot going into this process here. Um, and actually this isn't even where I wanted to start, but I just started talking. Um, so let's start there. Cause I really, I have a lot of coaches, um, you know, not jujitsu coaches, but just coaches in general and really sure. everyone, yeah. anyone trying to grow on social media. I think the principles are the same. Um, and mm-hmm. you, you seem to have those principles or concepts down. Um, what's the process like? What, what it, how, how are you? like organizing everything because obviously there's a process here no different than how you break up a training week you know for training so um absolutely like how are you organizing it how does how do you get all the thoughts in your head out on social media yeah yeah i'll I'll say this was for a year i mean i've been posting consistently uh for years now over five years and uh i made so many mistakes in the beginning so this process is definitely not one that I've had for the last five years. It's one that I've had probably for the last 12 to 18 months. Um, and it's evolved, you know, over time, you know, just looking at the the landscape of social media five years ago compared to now is massively different. When I first uh, started my company and started posting, there was no such thing as TikTok. And I don't even think Instagram had videos on there. So to think five years later that this is what I would be doing, it is completely mind blowing. But regardless of, how social media changes, regardless of what platforms are popular, how the algorithm works, what trends are going on politically that you can jump on or what trends are going on in the competitive space with jujitsu athletes or trends with uh, certain niche fitness influencers. None of that stuff really matters because the base principles all stay the same. And once I understood those base principles, I was really able to not just uh, for my own ego and for my own desires to grow my brand and and grow my audience but also be able to help a lot more people and that those principles come down to identifying who your core audience is um guys like you and me we'd love to help everybody on planet earth but it's just you and me and that's just not really feasible and even if we try to help everybody on everybody on planet earth we would honestly do a pretty terrible job at helping everybody because we have a narrow focus on what we studied in school and what kind of education we pursued after that and what we spent our time doing. So it's important that we identify who our our uh, ideal audience is or who our niche audience is. I'm sure you've maybe heard people throw terms like that around before, who, who's in your niche market, who's your uh, customer avatar and all that stuff. And as cliche as it sounds, it is very important. And for me, I realized that I needed to just clearly identify who, who am I talking to and who am I passionate about helping? I can't help everybody, but I can dial in and be very focused on helping the one particular type of person. And it took me a while to realize that, but that's going to be the competitive athlete. The next step is to identify what problems your 
customer what problems your audience members have and every audience member has two problems they have an external problem and they have an internal problem and your job as their coach or as their guide or you know whatever whether you're selling a service or a product in in this conversation we're talking a lot about coaches as their coach your job is to connect with them and show them how you can help them solve their external problem and their internal problem and so my tagline for everything is that i'm going to help competitive jiu-jitsu athletes win more matches and get injured less their external problem with most of the athletes that i was working with was that they kept telling me like i'd ask them like hey so what brings you in you know why are you looking to get strong and said oh my my elbow man like i tried this stuff and it's not really working my elbow keeps hurting or my lower back is killing me anytime i'm doing the absolute division that's an external problem and those things are very serious but after more conversations and after kind of peeling the layers of the onion back and I asked them like, so I know you're, you're here because your elbow hurts, but why does it matter so much that you want to fix your elbow and keep competing? And ultimately it was because they were tired of losing and they felt like they needed to prove something to themselves or they wanted to challenge themselves and they wanted to win more. That was their internal desire. And so highlighting who I was talking to, which was jujitsu athletes, and then identifying what their external problem was. They were constantly getting injured and identifying what their internal problem was, their desire to win more matches. Then I was able to create any piece of content I wanted funneled through the perspective of how is this going to help jujitsu athletes win more matches and get injured less. And once I was consistent with that message, I did lose quite a bit of followers because the people that were following me from high school, they were like, oh, I know Josh, like he's my boy. I wasn't doing anything that interested them anymore or people that knew I was, you know, a coffee nerd and loved all that stuff. They stopped seeing that kind of content. And so there was a little bit of a dip and people did unfollow, but it was followed by a lot more engaged and a lot more enthusiastic audience uh, that were there to receive the information that I was putting out. And so that laid the foundation of my process. And so because I was able to answer those questions, who the audience is, what problems do they have, and how am I going to help solve those problems that they have, I was able to create a, a system that works well for me as far as social media goes. So I plan everything out on a monthly basis. I sit down with uh, myself and my team, and we kind of come up with, okay, what are going to be the best pieces of content that we could create that are going to help people win more matches and get injured less? There's a ton of ideas that we have that like may be funny or um maybe like we'll jump on a trend but at the end of the day if it doesn't help them win more matches or get injured less and usually just throw it off to the wayside and this is also important for coaches too is that there's something that's called a fog of expertise and as some, someone like yourself Wes, i'm sure you've you've experienced this before in your career we spend so much time learning more and more and more about our sole area of expertise that we become like a level 10 expert compared to everybody else we know and someone who is at level one or more realistically probably at level zero they come to us because they see us as the expert and they're like hey can you help me with something and we understand that they're not on the expert level that we're at so we drop our communication level down to about a level seven but zero to seven is still a huge jump for them and that's what a lot of coaches miss on social media is because they follow all the most like if they're at level 10 they follow all of the 12 13 14 and 15 level people and so they think like oh i need to post stuff like that and they miss the fact that the people that are going to follow them are at level zero one two and three and so some stuff i post like 
not that I'm ever tired of helping people, but I get really excited over some newer stuff that's like a little bit more advanced and I have to, you know, work with my team and they have to remind me like, Hey, like, keep in mind, like these jujitsu athletes could not care less about rate of force development, bro. They could not care less about the science behind on the nervous system with overcoming isometrics. Just, you know, we should keep it very simple and say, you're going to push as hard as you can into this bar, or you're going to jump and then land and jump again as fast as you can. We'll just keep it that simple. So that's kind of the system that I use and we plan everything out um, on a monthly basis and it all kind of has a, a flow for the whole month. And then we just go to the gym, start filming, and then I edit most of the content and then goes up from there. I really like that last part there, the, the fog of expertise, because honestly, I think it's something people really get caught up on all the time. And you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. You know, like the people you and I are following on social media for our given um, professions is not the people, the people that we're going to help, you know, maybe they're going to follow them, but probably not. They probably don't even know who half those people are. It's just like the, sure. you know, it's, it is probably just like the person coming into jujitsu probably has no idea who Gordon Ryan, well, maybe they know who Gordon Ryan is because his social media is pretty good, but like, they don't know who Mika Galvao is, you know, or the Rutolos or something like that, you know, and it's the, it's the same thing. Exactly. So, so it's a, uh, I like how you phrase that with the fog of expertise. That's, that's really clutch there. Um, you were, and dude, you just crushed that right there. I feel like we could have ended it right there. Or I feel like you're, you're like creating a, so I had somebody else on where we were talking about, and he was a fitness, I, I'll call him an influencer because he probably hit like 150,000 followers. So we talked wow. about, yeah, we were talking about all of this. And he goes, and I had no idea. And at the end of it, he goes, actually on Monday, and this was on a Sunday. He goes, on Monday, I'm actually releasing a course on how to grow on Instagram. And I had no, wow. I had no idea. But the way you were just talking about it right there, like you're in the pro, like I would think you're in the process of creating a course on how coaches to grow on Instagram, how it was so systematized. You know, we had the bullet points, you know, you broke each down. So you, you just nailed it right there on that. Um, well, thank you, man. <laughs> before, and honestly, I, I don't need too much more on that. Like you, you did it really good and you could apply that to, to whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, training people or I don't know, some other weird thing. I couldn't think of anything clever right there. Um, before we got on, you were talking about, uh, you track your analytics, which like, this is another thing that I think anyone would really appreciate because there's so many different analytics. And I think we, we get caught up between vanity metrics, you know, an actual, Good. Which metrics have you found to be uh, beneficial to track over a long period of time to help growth and help knowing you're going in the right direction? Absolutely. So for me, it may look a little bit different than other accounts. And you and I are both in the in the larger umbrella category of what we do. We're in the larger health and wellness category, focusing more so on education. Um, you and I are as dope as it would be if we were, we're not really at a point where we could do these circus lifts and entertain people yeah. with how freaking strong we are. We're just not those guys. So we're on the education side of things, which is totally okay. Um, and we're also not athletes either where we're promoting our lifestyle and the prestige of our lifestyle. So because of that, it's important that at least for myself, all the content that I put out is going to be something that people can actually use or help educate them in a certain way. So I'd say 95 to 97% of all the posts I make on Instagram are education-based. And because they're education-based, the two metrics that I look at the most are going to be um, 
I get or actually top three. Top three are going to be saves. How many people are saving these posts so that they can refer back to these in the future? If it's a jujitsu hip mobility routine, I really want to make sure that people are saving it so that way they can get to the gym 20 minutes early. They can run through that hip mobility routine and then they can start their no gi training or they can jump into their gi competitors class. If it's a particular workout where I take them through exercise A all the way to, all the way through to exercise Z. I want to make sure that they are saving that post. That way, when they go to the commercial gym that they train at, they can you know, follow along with that workout. There are some other things that are important to look at outside of saves, such as shares. Um, I believe Jordan Syatt, uh, who is uh, who's I don't uh, have a super tight relationship with him, but I have been uh, had the pleasure of meeting him before and, and communicating with him a little bit. And he had mentioned to me that uh, saves are a good sign that you're saying something that people are getting a lot of value from and shares are a good sign that you're saying something that people agree with. And the reason why people share it is because most of the time they want to share it with their friends to reinforce their own biases or uh, help pr prove something right for themselves, which I think there's uh, a fine edge. You can go too far on that side. But I know I've totally done this before. Any post that says that GSP is the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, I share that post to everybody I know. And any post that doesn't, I don't even bother. I was like, I'm not sharing that, man. I, I don't care. It doesn't have GSP He's as wrong. the goat. So He's wrong. Exactly. They're 100% wrong. So I, from the educational standpoint, I do look at shares because I do want other people to spread the word about like, yes, this is sound strength and conditioning for jujitsu. And I hope people would share this type of content with their training partners. And uh, to that point, another metric I look at is comments. There are a ton of comments that people will just comment someone else's handle. It's kind of like just tagging them in the comments of a post. And that's a great sign to me that they're sharing these educational tips and tricks with their training partners. And that's really important too. And, it's you help to build a community and it's great for growing your audience because uh, if you post something that's really valuable to me and I share it with one of my training partners, well, now you have two people that you can influence and two people that you can help and two more people that you can enhance your quality of life through the content that you're posting. So those are the top three that I look at um, saves shares and comments. Of course, I look at uh, other things like likes and views and all that stuff, but, those are just, like you said, they're kind of just vanity metrics. There are some posts that don't have the most amount of views, but they got a crap ton of shares. And that was a good sign for me. Like, okay, I need to make more videos about this particular subject because everybody's saving this type of post. So are you, are you tracking these things on a, um, so you said you're batching it almost in like a monthly basis. So will you sit down mm -hmm. once a month and be like, all right, this last month, you know, this one on Zercher squats fucking crushed it. This one on, you know, elbow tendonitis maybe didn't so good so let's do more like is that how is that basically what what we're doing absolutely yeah so i i check every i mean i check them every day but i'd yeah. say like the time i actually sit down to really look at everything and map out the next month of content i say that i i, I probably do that about once a week okay. so i'll look at all the posts from the week and i'll say like oh i'm actually kind of surprised that this one yeah did so well i'm a you know, flag that in my mind or, you know, put that on the spreadsheet as something like this one performed really well. And then we'll kind of see how the rest of the month goes. And as we're building out content, we'll sometimes like dedicate a theme for each week. Yeah. And so maybe like one week just crushed, like actually this last week on neck training actually did really well. I didn't know how much 
people were dealing with. I mean, I knew people dealt with a lot of neck pain. I just didn't know uh, how big it was going to spread. So this week of neck training content is awesome. And so uh, maybe not next month, but in a couple months, we'll probably revisit the concept of neck training and share not all the same content, but a lot of those concepts again with a newer audience that, you know, will follow my account within the next couple months. So we look at, I personally look at analytics almost every day. Um, But as far as like actually sitting down and making decisions based off those analytics, probably once a week. Nice. I don't want to turn this like we could probably go on for like another hour here on social media, but I want to talk a little bit training here in jujitsu. Um, yeah, stuff, let's stuff do it. We can kind of geek out. So we'll, we'll pivot here a little. Um, and something I've really been thinking a lot about lately, cause I'm coming back from a, a pretty bad knee injury in jujitsu. Um, you know, and I've been starting to think, okay, like how am I going to start to progressively come back and do this intelligently? Um, you know, and, and in training, there's some sort of progression, like, you know, maybe I'll do quarter squats or I'll do split squats or I'll load with a goblet. Like there's a process here. Um, it doesn't seem, and even in training in general, you know, whether you're doing conjugate, you know, undulating periodization, linear, you know, there's a, there's a, a process and there's a plan, like whether it's, you know, build to a heavy set for the day or 80% across all sets. In jujitsu, it seems like, you know, we drill and then we get to rolling and rolling really just seems to me kind of like what they did in CrossFit in the early days. We're going balls to the wall all the time, and the people that survive, they're going to come back. And then the people that don't, well, they, they don't. You know, so is before we get into the actual strength work for jiu-jitsu, is, is there some sort of process or system you like to monitor this so we're not just, you know, killing ourselves rolling all the time? Absolutely, man. And I think it's a- – I think it's great you brought up CrossFit because I was uh, balls deep in CrossFit when I was in high school and I ran into that exact same issue. Everything was max intensity for max reps for the fastest time possible. And I just, I wrecked myself. And I I think CrossFit has a lot of value, um, but there's a lot of room for, a lot of room for error, especially on that side of things. And jujitsu is very similar in that sense. So for me, the way I look at jujitsu and I map out my jujitsu training, just like I would a structured strength and conditioning training program. And so I have days that are max intensity. I have days that are lower intensity. And I go, I talk about this um, in my Instagram stories about, I talk about the VIP method, which is a, a goal setting and, and um, if you want to call it like a personal development method that I use to help kind of focus and, and just get the most out of any training session that I'm doing. And so VIP stands for V stands for vision. You could replace that with goal. GIP doesn't sound as cool as VIP. So we'll say vision slash goal, but have a vision for what you ultimately want to achieve. So for me right now, I'm in my off season. I have a vision on certain positions that I want to develop myself in specifically. I've been working a ton on butterfly guard. I want to be able to make butterfly guard something that is part of my a game i still prefer to wrestle and work from top position but i'm not i don't want to i want to get to a point where i'm not worried in the least bit of being on bottom because my butterfly guard is a one next would be intention and this is very important so have a clear intention of what your plan is for that training session so i train four days a week right now since it is the off season two days of the week are low to moderate intensity and i'm only focusing on developing the skills that i want to get better at that are going to contribute to that vision or goal that i have so today i'm going to hit a gi training session here in a couple hours i'm going to roll with a lot of white belts a lot of blue belts maybe some purple belts and i'm only focusing on butterfly guard that's it if i get a sweep great i'll let them sweep me back 
and then I'm hitting another butterfly sweep. If they give me all the smoke and they pass my butterfly guard right away, then I'm working to get back the butterfly guard, and then I'm definitely going to ask a lot of questions afterwards on how I can prevent that from happening in the future. So have a clear intention going into each training session, and if you're someone that is coming off of an injury or maybe you didn't have a catastrophic injury but you are a little bit banged up and you're prepping for competition, clearly identify what those intentions are. If the intention for that training session is to work on the technical and tactical side of what the moves that you're going to use in competition, then stick with that. Don't get sucked into these gym wars because your favorite training partner showed up and he's like, Hey, you're being soft. We're not going hard today. I've seen that happen so many times with athletes that I work with where they say like, Hey coach, my knee is bothering me a lot. I didn't feel any pops or anything, but it's just really aching. And I'll say, okay, like we need to dial it back today. Your intention is to work on the technical and tactical side of your game plan for this upcoming comp. And so, you know, six hours later, they text me back and they say, oh, I think I tweaked my knee even more. And I'd ask them like, like, how'd you do that? Like, did someone just like not let go when they were, when you were drilling leg locks? I said, well, no, my boy showed up and then we actually like went pretty hard and it's like, oh, okay. Like there's, there's the issue there. So have a clear vision and goal of what you want to achieve, have clear intentions on each training session and go into that training session with a clear intention. And then the last letter P stands for purpose. It's important that every athlete to a certain extent understands the purpose of what they're doing. We are not robots. Is I love sci-fi movies and sci-fi books and comics. And I think like Blade Runner is one of the dopest movies of all time. We're not androids. We're not robots. And so we actually have to take some responsibility and understand the purpose of what we're doing. If you're working with a strength and conditioning coach, it is your responsibility as their athlete to have a little bit of an understanding of the purpose of what you're doing. And if your coach can't clearly define what the purpose is of what you're doing, you need to find a new coach. If you're going to jujitsu and you don't understand why you're, why you should focus on butterfly guard, then you should probably ask your coach, like, what's the greater purpose of this? As long as you have a little bit deeper of an understanding, you're going to be able to better appreciate why you're doing things and also be better able to monitor your own progress. If you go to jujitsu all willy nilly and you're like, ah, I'm going to work on butterfly guard because I heard someone on some podcasts talk about it, but you don't understand why that would actually be beneficial for you. How are you really going to be able to monitor progress? How are you really going to know whether or not that's actually something that's going to work for you? So just to circle back, I use the VIP method a lot. And I think a lot of jujitsu athletes would uh protect themselves before they wreck themselves if they use this method a lot and just make more progress on the mat and in competition. V stands for having a clear vision or goal. I stands for having a clear intention going into each training session. And then P stands for understand the purpose of what you're doing in each training session. So that way you can clearly monitor progress and get closer to that vision or goal that you have. When did you, where did this process come from? Like, did you have an injury? Like, did you notice a weak spot in, because as you're saying this, I'm like, holy crap, I kind of had this realization because my knee was so fucked for the last few months, I haven't been able to roll. But then I'm also thinking, why the hell is nobody else talking about this in jujitsu? Like, wh where where did this all spawn from? Honestly, man, a lot of it spawned from my own stupidity and my own <laughs> mistakes. Um, I wrestled in high school okay. a lot. And uh, I, I mean we could do a whole podcast on so many different aspects of wrestling and how that contributes to my story. But I did almost everything wrong in <laughs> wrestling. I wasn't training the right way. I wasn't viewing practice the right way. I wasn't viewing competition the right way. 
And it was at a time in my life where I put my full identity in winning and losing. So I trained harder than anybody, but I trained like an absolute dingus. So I kept getting injured and I never actually made the progress that I was looking to achieve. And I didn't really have a plan going into each practice. I just said, whatever coach wants us to do, I'm just going to do it. And I'm just going to follow along and not understand. And, and that led to a lot of issues for me uh, during my wrestling career. After that point, once I had started jujitsu, there was a lot of stuff that had happened in my life on just a maturity standpoint. I started jujitsu when I was a sophomore in college. So going from being a high school wrestler to being in college, you, you grow a lot mentally and, and emotionally. So and throughout that time, I also understood a lot more about strength and conditioning and understood the principles of, okay, how do you really structure training? Why is it important to have a clear vision for what you want to achieve in the gym and then build on that so you can achieve other goals and kind of work in sequential order to reaching that goal? So I learned a lot of those things and began applying some of those principles in jujitsu. And they worked really well for myself, but I didn't really have a system set up. It was kind of this like uh, formless thought process that I had as far as like, I'm going to sign up for this competition. I need to get faster. So I'm just going to train to get faster. And they, they weren't really like clear ideas. They were just things that I was doing. Once I actually started coaching and ironically enough, I first started coaching as a wrestling coach. I realized very quickly that I needed a way to communicate what I was thinking and what was helping me to the athletes that I was working with. And there were a lot of like clunky conversations, I will say, with some of those early athletes that I was working with. Um, but recently, like I just kind of tried to condense it down to as simple concepts as possible. Everybody knows they have they need to have a goal. Um, Mark Bell, one of my, my good friends and mentors, he was the one that originally had put the verbiage to me of, hey, when you go into the gym, have an intention. What's your intention for this gym session? And his, you know, in his context, he was talking about powerlifting and I was able to take that and view it in the sense of like, okay, that's also going to apply to jujitsu. And then of course, just having a purpose is important for anything. If you don't understand what purpose you have or understand what purpose you ultimately want to grow into, life is going to be very difficult. Uh, on a lot of different levels for you, not just on a training level. So it definitely took a long time to kind of formulate the right words and formulate the right uh, system, if you will, to communicate those concepts. But it's been something that I learned, uh, you know, learned the negative side effects of not having those things in wrestling. And I was able to learn the positive side effects of having those things doing jujitsu. I've definitely experienced the negative effects of that in jujitsu right now, not having a plan because I'm just like, oh man, I'm I'm going to get my boy today on this, or I'm not letting him get me here. And it's essentially like I was trying to go for a PR every day. So it's no wonder, like, I, yeah. you know, no wonder I got hurt. Um, now, is this all within, you know, normally I save this to the end, but, you know, we can talk about it now. Like, what are you off? Like, is this part of what you're offering, you know, online um, in terms of your coaching? What, what do you offer there? Absolutely. So I run my own, my own company and yeah. part of that company is the strengthmatrix.com. And my goal with the strength matrix was to essentially put everything I know and make it easily accessible to as many jujitsu athletes as possible. Um, I was working one-on-one -on -one with a lot of jujitsu athletes for several years. Um, and as awesome as that experience was, I was really limited in how many jujitsu athletes I could work with because my time is limited and um, I can only have so much bandwidth to handle so many athletes at a time. So in the strength matrix, uh, in anyone that is interested in checking that out, it's just www.thestrength, 
thestrengthmatrix.com. But it has everything in there that I've used over the years with athletes at every level from white belt competing at their very first competition all the way up to seasoned black belts competing at ADCC trials and everybody else in between. It's all. It's not just the strength and conditioning training principles and training programs that were designed for jujitsu and for jujitsu competition, but also a lot of the mindset stuff. And there's a certain section on the site where we have our competitors guide so that any competitor, whether it's your first competition or whether it's your hundredth competition, can go through that online course and learn the psychological things that need to happen for you to be best prepared to train each and every single training session. Also understand the recovery side of things that Unfortunately, a lot of jiu-jitsu athletes miss out on what to do from a preparation standpoint as the competition gets closer, and it just helps answer all those questions that a lot of athletes coming into the sport may have and may put some of the more experienced competitors on game for a lot of the areas that they may be overlooking in their jiu-jitsu preparation. Awesome, and I'll definitely include all of the links um, below, you know, between the Instagram, the website, and everything. Um, you know, Awesome. And that was kind of an accident, but I guess it's a good segue into strength training for jujitsu, um, which, you know, some people may think is counterintuitive because isn't the whole point behind jujitsu, you know, to, to not use strength. Um, you know, and I think my first experience with jujitsu, honestly, dude, it was I showed up to class, you know, I rolled with a white belt my size who probably couldn't even deadlift 185 pounds. Um, and at the time I had like a 425 deadlift. So I thought I was Dang. Yeah, I thought I was strong. I thought I was in shape, you know, and this guy um, fucking ruined me. It was the worst experience of my life. And he's actually since then become a very good friend. Um, oh, that's, that's do, do, great. Do you know who Clay Mayfield is? From, from that Pedagos, name sounds familiar, but I can't, from, uh, he, can't put a face to a name. Uh, from Pedagos Submission Fighting. He just um, out okay. of uh, Tennessee, whatever. But th this guy was his first purple belt. Um, and for a while, I think he was the number one ranked blue belt in IBJJF at his weight division, whatever, like, whatever 150 pounds would be. So he's good, too. Um, but he, he since then has told me he, to this day, he can't even bench 105 pounds. And he's 150 pounds and, like, just wrecked me, wrecked me. It was, it was a terrible experience, but a great experience. Um, but anyway, you know, back to where we were going with that, it's, you know, a lot of people say you don't need to strength train for jujitsu. Um, so let's talk about that and talk about the, the specific method that you're utilizing to help jujitsu athletes and why you've chosen that one. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and what's crazy is that you would think that nowadays in 2022, that old school mentality <laughs> of you don't need strength training, it's all right? about technique, bro. You would think that that would have fallen off to the wayside and we are making some progress in that direction. But the easiest way to like cut through all that noise is just these Two, you know, in a, in math, which I freaking hate math, but I don't know why I, I'm even using this example. In math, they have these things called proofs, and basically it's like math laws, if you will. And so jujitsu proof is that no one ever lost a match because they were too strong, and no one ever got injured because they were too strong. And I firmly believe that, and in all the experiences I've had working with different coaches around the world and different athletes around the world, that is those two things have always reigned true. Now, how jujitsu athletes develop strength? Oh my gosh, there's an infinite amount of variations that they could use to get there. For me personally, in my own experience and with the athletes that I work with, competitors, 
I mean, jujitsu is an amazing sport because there is no official season. It's not structured at the uh, scholastic level like wrestling is where, okay, wrestling starts in November, goes all, all the way through to February. If you're an absolute killer and you make it to the NCAA finals, that's going to be the last, uh, you know, the last weekend in February or first weekend in March. And then your season's done. It's a very open and closed system. Jiu-Jitsu doesn't have that. If someone really wanted to, they could compete literally every two weeks, every single month out of the year. And that's a great opportunity, but that does lead to some issues. And so the main training style that I use for most of the athletes that I work with, not all of them, but definitely most of them, is going to be a conjugate-based system. Now, conjugate, uh, the conjugate training system was originally popularized by the strength and conditioning coaches in the Soviet Union. And they did a ton of just amazing stuff with track and field athletes, wrestling athletes, Olympic weightlifting athletes. And one guy in particular, Louis Simmons, he had taken that style of training and started testing it a lot with his athletes here in the United States. And so conjugate isn't necessarily invented by Louis Simmons, but he was able to bring that from the Soviet Union and make it widely accessible and popular in the United States. And essentially what the conjugate system is about or if you want to call it a concurrent training system as trying to raise as many levels of athleticism at the same time as much as possible so it's not just going to be your absolute strength development it's not just going to be your speed and your explosive power development you're trying to elevate both of those qualities as well as your conditioning as well as your aerobic power and all that stuff you're trying to elevate as many of those qualities as you can around the same time and what this does is this allows us to, for lack of a better term, stay in shape year round. If jujitsu athletes are going to be competing every two weeks, it's important that they stay in shape as much as they can. I, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of competing every two weeks, but it, it, that's just how it is. And also with jujitsu, because it is a combat sport, a lot of athletes unfortunately get injured and have to pull out of competition and other athletes have to jump in on a two week or even less than that, a one week notice to fill in a spot at a competition. So it's important that as jujitsu athletes, we're all training in a way that allows us to raise our level of athleticism in an equal level without having to fall into these ruts where we may focus like a common misconception or a common fault i would say with uh a lot of jujitsu athletes training is that they say like oh i'm going to focus on getting strong and there's nothing wrong with that that's great but they focus so much on getting strong that they train in a way that goes all in on getting strong and neglects their conditioning and then they get a phone call and say hey can you fill in this spot on the who's number one card and they're like sure that's a great opportunity so they jump in but they haven't done any of the conditioning work to help them maintain their ability to do a high level match like that so in the conjugate training system, what we're looking to do is we're looking to develop maximum strength. We're looking to get as fast and as explosively powerful as possible. Now, I understand that's not the basis of everybody's game in jiu-jitsu, but if your body is able to be strong and really fast and explosive, your body is also going to be very resilient and less prone to injury. And that's why we focus on those things. And then the other thing is just to make sure that we are developing and improving our mobility. So that way we can get into all the positions that we may find ourselves on the mat. We want to make sure that our shoulders are healthy, our hips and our knees are healthy. 
Unfortunately, jujitsu, fortunately and unfortunately, jujitsu is a sport where we are deliberately trying to take every joint possible and bend it in the opposite direction, twist every single ligament that we can against the way it was designed to move, which, you know, is going to lead to some injuries along the line. So if we can raise our level of athleticism and if we can decrease our risk of injury as much as possible, that's going to ultimately lead to us having more success on the mat. So with, with the, the conjugate system that you use, is it, what, what are you doing in terms of days per week and how are you organizing it? Is the same way they're doing it? Most people, like, cause most people, if they were going to like Google the conjugate system, you know, they would get a, a standard weekly split. Are you using a similar split? Are you changing it up a little? Cause we're also taking into consideration, you know, we're cross training with BJJ or your athletes are. Um, so what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So if you were to Google, you know, conjugate training, you'd probably get a ton of articles from Westside Barbell, which was Louis Simmons gym. And the original uh, Westside Barbell style of training with the conjugate method is a four day training split. It essentially just means you're going to have four workouts a week, and then you're going to repeat that cycle on a weekly basis. They were mainly trained for powerlifting, and that was their sport. So they could handle four strength days per week. Jiu-jitsu athletes obviously are not power lifters, so we have other stuff that we have to do outside of the gym. And so I've found that most jiu-jitsu athletes can benefit from two at a minimum up to four strength and conditioning days per week. But most athletes that I've worked with kind of fall within that two to three sweet spot, two to three training sessions uh, per week sweet spot. And so the, the way we normally would structure it would be a condensed conjugate model. This is something that I originally picked up from a good friend of mine, Phil DeRue. And it basically takes those four training days and condenses it down into two or three days. And so currently how I'm training right now with the guys that I work with in person, and this is how a lot of the training is modeled in the strength matrix is the first day we're gonna do something really heavy for the lower body and then really fast for the upper body. And we may do two or three exercises to achieve those things. Uh, so like this morning we did some heavy front squats and we did some heavy uh, sled pushes and some heavy split squats. We just called it right there. That was our heavy work for the lower body. Then we're gonna do something really fast and explosive for the upper body. So we did some, some speed bench, some medicine ball throws, and then when you know, if time allows, we may do some extra, what I like to call jacked and tanned work, basically just building a little bit more muscle so we can, you know, fill out our rash guards and our geese. And that's going to be day one. And then day two is going to be essentially the same thing, except we're just going to flip it around. So we're going to go really heavy for the upper body, doing a lot of heavy presses, a lot of heavy pulling movements. And then we're going to go really fast and explosive for the lower body. That could look like different jumps, kettlebell swings, um, different types of lower body lifts that are done with a little bit lighter weight, but the goal is to move that weight as fast as possible. Then on day three, this is where the whole day is dedicated to a couple of different things, depending on where you're at in season. If you're in your off season or preseason where you're not necessarily gearing up for competition, but you're getting in shape. So that way you could be ready to get ready for a competition, if you will. We're going to focus on general physical preparedness, which is just doing a lot of things that are going to help your body feel good, decrease your risk of injury, things like sled dragging, uh, maybe a little bit of conditioning, but a lot of higher repetition stuff that promotes blood flow and really focuses on just kind of elevating your general fitness level for jujitsu. We'll also on that third day, sometimes focus on our jack and tan work, which again is just all building muscle and having fun and growing out a little bit, if you will. And then if, uh, if, it, if it's needed, 
if an athlete is coming off of a, a long injury where they weren't able to develop their conditioning on the mat, we may focus that third day entirely on conditioning, getting them in shape, or if they're working around an injury where they can't roll out 100%, that'll kind of replicate the type of conditioning that they would have gotten on the mat if they were 100% healthy. So then with something like you brought up, you know, heavy front squats we did on, you know, mm-hmm. day one, will you then repeat the heavy front squats next week or is it, how, how does that work? That's, that's going to depend on the athlete. Okay. So okay. the way, the way it currently works in the strength matrix, if someone were to sign up for a training program like bracket smasher, which is our competition prep training program, they're going to see movement variations rotate on a biweekly basis. Okay. So there's going to be a weeks, there's going to be B weeks. So say they do some type of squat on week A, on week B, they're still going to go heavy on the lower body, but it's just going to be a little bit of a different movement, sometimes a deadlift, sometimes a type of good morning, and then they're going to cycle back to week A, hit it again, and kind of go from there. With the group that I'm working with right now, we're running things a little bit differently where we're rotating exercises every three weeks, and the main reason is because everyone has gotten to a point in their skill proficiency and how strong that they are that they start to get a little banged up repeating exercises every two weeks. So uh, if we do a heavy deadlift on week A, to follow that up in two weeks, it does, it leads to a, some recovery issues um, down the line. So we like to run things on a three-week uh, rotating variation, if you will. Um, but that being said, there's definitely not one size fits all. There are some people that train conjugate that repeat the exact same exercise three weeks in a row and then change it. There are people that run conjugate that run the same exercise once every six months. And there's there's a time and place to do both of those things. And that's just going to come with experience and um, just kind of understanding your body a little bit more. But for most jiu-jitsu athletes, I would say for your max effort or like the heavy main movement that you're doing on those heavy sessions – We'd want to rotate those once every two to three weeks. All right, awesome. And I was I was just curious, and that that almost starts to get into the the, the fog of expertise there, where some of the listeners, exactly, you, yeah, you know, like they don't care, you know. So I, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I was yeah. just kind of interested for my own because I was curious. I was like, how is he running this conjugate system? Like, because I've heard I've heard exactly what you just described. There were a lot of people that um, I like that follow the conjugate. They they said that they run it every three weeks, which you know, make sense to me if I really think about it. So that's cool to hear. Um, in, in, in closing here, uh, let's wrap up with some uh, ADCC predictions. Like, oh, yes, sir. So let, let's start at 66 kilos, you know, go all, I don't even know if we need to go 99 plus, like that's obvious who's going to win that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's start at 66 kilos and let's hear your predictions across the board here on who, who you got, if anyone, maybe, maybe you don't have people, but let's hear them. So, at 66, I was pretty open to just seeing where the chips are going to land because yeah. it, there were so many good guys that were jumping into 66. And then Gary dropped down. Yeah. And so oh. now I'm thinking like, okay, all right. Well, I think Gary's going to uh, – he's not an old man no. at all. No. Um, he's arguably the same age as us. But um, I think he's going to give a lot of those young bucks a run for their money uh, – pretty pretty handedly that's just that's just my opinion i have been a huge fan of gary for years so i am a a little bit biased um but i think gary it's good whoever's going to be in the finals against gary i think it's going to be the match of a lifetime just because gary's so exciting there's a lot of really exciting guys at 66 at 77 (laughs) that is the most like if you (laughs) before trial started i'll say this was before trial started i would have 
maybe put half of my life savings on JT Torres hitting another three P in 77 kilos. Um, and I would still probably put half my savings on JT being in the finals, but it's whoever gets on the other side of that finals with him is it's going to be incredible. You have guys like William Tackett, who uh, I know, and he's an absolute killer. Uh, Mika's in there. Kate is in there. Um, I believe uh, Andy uh, Andy Varela just got dropped in the mix in in there as well. Uh, Davi Ramos, I think, is making it back. I don't know if he's 77 or 88, but he's an OG guy that can definitely shake things up. Uh, But I I think that – I I can't say who I think is going to win. I think it's too unpredictable, but I think JT and one of these other up-and-coming killers is going to be on the other side of that bracket. 88, there's been a couple – a couple shifts. of weight clubs, yeah, that, a couple so, of shifts. So I think originally at 88, yeah, I think I was going to say originally at 88, it was going to be Mateus and Craig in the finals again, but I think Craig bumped up. He did, yeah. So I'm Isaac not, as, okay, gotcha. So I think I would still put, I mean, I haven't seen Mateus compete in a while, but he is incredibly, incredibly talented at what he does. And so I would probably say that I'd, I'd, if I had to pick the finals match in, at 88, it'd be Mateus. And I think Ty, I think Ty has just been doing an absolutely amazing job. Um, and he, he is, he's been killing it. So I think Mateus and Ty are going to be in the finals of that. 99, um, like there's, again, there's been a whole bunch of shifts. I don't recall who's at 99. So oh, Craig's at 99. Yeah, Craig, so I would have to say, I would have to say Craig. Mar- okay. Mar- Mar- is at 99. Yeah, I would say, oh man, <laughs> I, uh, that's going to be really interesting to see because Marigali has been doing a great job at these super fights yeah, uh, yeah. in Nogi. Um, but uh, if my memory serves correct, I think Marigali started training with Gordon after the split happened. So I don't know if Gordon and or I'm sorry, I don't know if Craig and Marigali have trained before. I, I don't and I have a feeling so, that yeah. it might make things really interesting. So um, I'm, off the top of my head, I'll have to say Craig for 99. And then plus 99, I think uh, that's going to be like just an absolute gangbusters uh, quarterfinals and semifinals. And then by the finals, we kind of all know that Gordon's going to uh, put on a, a spectacular performance. Um, I I definitely love watching Gordon compete, but I'm also just super excited to see who can get close to giving him some issues. Um, and at this point, it doesn't seem like anyone's been giving him any trouble since uh, – he competed against Vinny Magalhaes, uh, which I think was like back in 2017. So that's going to be uh, pretty wild. And I have a, I mean, I'm not sh- sure, honestly, with the super fight. I think everyone says that Andre is just, he's tactically perfect for ADCC. Um, but you could also say that Gordon is tactically perfect for submitting everybody. Yeah. So I think it's, <laughs> it's kind of a coin toss. I think Gordon does have a really good point that if, Andre engages and does uh, engages with Gordon. That's going to be difficult. Um, but you know, to Andre's credit, he's been undefeated for a long time in the ADCC rule set. So that there's definitely a lot of credit to his name on that front. So uh, to review, Gary at yep. 66. I'll just go JT. I got to okay. I think this might be JT's last ADCC. Okay. I don't know for sure, but I'll say JT on the three peat at 77. I'll say Ty at 88. I'll say Craig at 99, Gordon at plus 99, and I'll go ahead and pick Gordon for the super fight. Okay, those, those are all solid. Those are solid. And I like the way you approach the, the plus 99, just saying I want to see who comes as close. Um, the, the yeah. One, 
the one I'm really excited about in the plus 99, because I've been watching, uh, who's the guy that runs it? Um, what's his name? I'm forget. I'm blanking on his name right now. Oh, uh, Mo? Yeah, yeah. So I'll watch his lives, because he goes live all the time. Uh, yeah. And he was saying in one of his lives that, you know, if Gordon makes it out of the first round, which is obviously he will, and uh, Nicky Rodriguez makes it out of the first round, they're set to go in the yeah. second. And I'm just... <laughs> I'm just excited, like the the drama or the animosity there. Like I feel like a little like a high school girl because I'm like, oh my gosh, because the the drama, but you know, behind that, I'm really yeah. excited about that because that's just going to be an aggressive match across the board. Yeah, I, like. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking like, I mean, I I, I don't understand any of the story, and I definitely don't yeah, want to attribute it yeah. to any rumors or anything. Yeah. But uh, from a fan's perspective watching how dominant uh, the Danaher squad was in 2019 and then viewing the split, it's going to be amazing to see like all the matches that we would have wanted to see when they were a team. And now we get to see them, uh, unfortunately, because they're not a team. But to my understanding, I mean, this is part of competing. It's just the way it's, it's, it's going to be. So that's going to – it is more exciting. Like, did you Absolutely. Watch, did you watch who's number one last week, last Thursday? I'm not live, but I did catch the highlights it's on most of the matches. probably good you didn't watch it live because I, I fell asleep before Gordon's match because that one match went over a hundred oh. minutes. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, the Isaac and Booty um, fight. I don't know. who I can't remember his name now. Oh, uh, Kyle Chambers. Yeah, yeah. It went, they stopped it at 99 minutes because they had to move him into the back so Gordon's match could actually start. Um, so it, oh went, my over, it gosh. went over two hours. Um, that's wild. But but the thing that was exciting about it, you know, leading up to it, all the matches were the B team versus New Wave, you know? So it's like, wow. there's just a little drama behind it because, like, some of the people yeah. I don't even know, but it's just exciting to be like, oh, here's another, like, you know, it's like rival. So it, it makes it yeah. more fun or exciting, you know, because, you know, you know, they don't like each other to some extent. I'm sure they like each other, sure. you know? You know but, sure. So it's just more fun, you know? So. One thing I'll say I'm super fascinated about and hopefully with some of the content that Flo puts out uh, leading up to ADCC is just looking at the different coaching styles and the different training styles between the two teams. It seems like, I mean, we're all at this point, most fans of jiu-jitsu are kind of familiar with John Donaher's style, but we're not as familiar with Craig's coaching style. And we were able to see a little bit of that come through with the reality show that they had. Um, And even just based on the limited, access to training inside training footage that we have for their comp team it seems like they train a little bit differently than than most people would expect so i'm really excited to see the the differences between the two and of course see the matchups that happen between the two will be a good time oh man they they do a great job on flow really building it up and like uh bringing more awareness to the sport like my girlfriend knows a lot about it now just because they do such a good job oh that's awesome yeah so it's it's they make it really exciting leading up to it so it's super sweet um that, that that's great yeah I'll, i don't know how many people are actually going to listen to the adc for, we probably lost most of my listeners because they don't care about like, sure. <laughs> that level but that's fine it, it was interesting for it's me. all good <laughs> Dude, yes I, sir i really appreciate the time before we go um just remind and i'll throw all this in the comments but you know instagram handle youtube like where can where do you want people going to find you yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Wes. I mean, this has been an amazing conversation. I'd love to do it again sometime. But you guys can follow me at Joshua Setledge on Instagram. That's J-O-S-H-U-A-S-E-T-T-L-A-G-E. And then if you guys are interested in learning how to get strong for jujitsu so you can ultimately win more matches and get injured less, I have a free four-week strength program that I'd love to send any listeners 
of this podcast, and you can just go to thestrengthmatrix.com, and there's going to be an option for you to download a free four-week strength program. That's the best way you guys can get in contact with me. Uh, if you guys are on YouTube, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's Setlib Strength, my last name, or you can just look up the BJJ Strength Coach. It'll pop up on there, and that's it. Awesome, dude. Once again, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, it was awesome, and we'll chat again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Wes.